Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Francesca Rivetti. She is a Philadelphia salon owner in my hometown. She is 100% Italian, but when you hear her open her mouth, you're going to be shocked at the accent that comes out. So 100% Italian, but from the UK. She is a hair innovator and inspirator, and we just had a little pre-interview chat that I was like, whoa, 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 stop, let's start recording because I want everyone to hear what I am hearing. So um, she is a Naha winner. She's been nominated five times. She is a winner. She's been nominated for so many awards. I can't even get them all into this podcast and still have time for us to chat. So I would love to welcome her in so she can tell her story herself. Thank you for being here, Francesca. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Elaine, for having me. I'm excited to share. I love that I get to see and hear you because I'm loving your haircut. Your style is awesome. I'm sitting here thinking, do I have enough hair to have that? I always want those layers, but then I start to get collapsed in here. So I think I need to come to Philly and have you cut me. Can I just add what this haircut is? It's the SSS, the seven section shag haircut that I'm promoting. I introduced that. It's not even, it'll be a year in March when I was a platform artist for Living Proof on the ISSE virtual platform last um, March. And they said, you have seven minutes. I said, don't worry, because I, I had been playing around with this haircut in the salon and breaking down the technique, breaking down the mindful placement of these seven sections. They have to be placed in a specific way. And trust me, it looks great on every hair type, every hair texture and every length. And it just came out amazing. And I've done it so many times that I've actually, I actually offer it as a class on my website that you can purchase and, or I'm going to be adding a subscription soon so that you can subscribe to uh, my website and just take in all the glory that's there. That's amazing. I'm loving the new shags. And I see now they're talking about like the mixy and the, you know, different, different combinations, but I love that you have the, like, um, this is my little security as most women are. So I love that you have the length, but I love, this is also droopy on me. I need some, some zhuzh. So I'm I'm coming to see you in Philadelphia. I'm just going to get your SSS haircut, baby. (laughs) Yes. I'm getting an SS for sure. So I know, congratulations. I just saw on Facebook before we started the interview, um, that you have a cover on a beautiful magazine. Um, You are everything as a hairstylist that I am definitely not as far as the avant-garde and the creative. I've never pushed myself in that direction. Um, In order to to do Naha, I think you have to have that sort of creativity. Um, But I love that you said, you said, I am a rebellious disciplinarian. And I want to talk about that because you have that edgy rock and roll, you know, the shag and it's, it's that Sally Hirschberger. You just tossed it with your hands and it fell exactly as it should. But you also talked about head shape and that yeah. head shape matters and where you cut and where you section. That's 
why I'm a collar specialist, because with cutting, I never took into consideration that gap behind the ear that tends to be, you know, you get a hole back there and over direction and all of those things always stressed me out. And I think that, you know, the, the good old foundations of, you know, you have a Graham Webb background, Vedas Assume background, those foundations, I feel have gotten lost in translation. I think that people have taken the, let me make it my own so far away from the classic shapes that it's like, they're just feeling their way through it and guessing sometimes. Um, So as a trainer, as an educator, as a Naha winner, as an artist, what is your thought on that, on how far we've strayed from the, the classics? Um, I totally agree with everything you said. I'd like to um, add a quote, if I may, at this point. And one of my favorite quotes is by Pablo Picasso. And it goes like this, that one must learn the rules like a pro before you break them like an artist. And I can relate because when I say I'm that rebellious disciplinarian, I came from a discipline background, but I couldn't wait to like, because everything was so disciplined, your sections had to be so precise, fine, and you had to stand in certain areas and everything. But that's why precision cutting is called precision cutting, because it has to be precise. And the foundations and the fundamentals are there globally. It's not just, you know, kept for the UK or Europe, it's global. If you want to execute a beautiful classic traditional Bob, you have to do it in a, in a classic disciplined way. Now, as we know, then as we evolve, we can change our tools, we can change our techniques, we can really get that rebellious side in there and really break it up and make it completely our own. So hence like dry cutting became a big thing in like the 90s, uh, whereas back in the 70s when I came in the industry, if it wasn't a clean, precise line, it was considered a bad haircut. That's just how it was. So that's where I think the discipline has changed. And I, and I think for, for the schools here in America, uh, I know in England, you know, you've got the in-salon training programs, you do the apprenticeship. So there's two different um, rules of, of thumb going on here. But anyone that's listening, please, if you haven't, invest in a classic training. You will thank me for it later. And just it doesn't matter how many times you do it, you do it. You learn it because that is what you'll always fall back on are your fundamentals. So before you break the rules, you need to know what you're breaking. You know, everybody wants going to do avant-garde, but avant-garde doesn't mean to say, you still need to understand the head shape. Where am I holding this section in relation to where it's going to fall in the head shape? Like you said earlier, Elaine, about the uh, the hole over there, that's what I call the transition area. Uh, And one of the things I, I love to do when I talk about and teach the head shape is I actually use a tape measure and just show you, do you know you've got from the top of your ear to the base of someone's hairline, there's almost four inches of emptiness, nothing, a void. So we have to transition our sections in those areas so that we don't get the hole that we don't want, right? How many times you've gone to do a bobbing? Like, oh, God, where, where did that hole come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same goes when, as, as you said, when you're uh, doing mindful color placement, you need to know exactly where that fall is going to sit so that, you know, should you choose to cut the hair a lot shorter afterwards, you know it still will work with that. And I think it doesn't matter how long you've been doing hair. I've been doing hair for blah, blah, blah years. You should never <laughs> take it for granted that you know it. That's mistake number one, thinking you know it all. You should never take it for granted. Always try and revisit things with fresh eyes. Something to- totally random that I have to share that just popped into my head. When you just went like this and said, do you know, you know, from your ear to whatever is this? 
Someone pointed out to me at a party a long time ago that the size of your foot is from your wrist to the crease of your elbow. And I was like, what? And I, I put it up to my foot and it's exactly the size yeah. of your foot on every person. Like that's, that's like, like one of those I've, random things. I've never heard about that, but I've heard about if you measure your collar, that's supposed to be, is that your waist? I don't know. There's oh some Christ. I would look like Shrek if, if my neck, if my neck was the size of my waist. <laughs> I hope that one's not true. No, I know. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's what your way should be. Is, is yeah, the circumference of your Let's neck? Try that later, right? <laughs> but I love you know you and I. I'm 35 years. You're blah blah blah. I know more. I know you've been around before me, and we're both having this chat virtually from two different cities in two different states, and we both still have the same passion now as we did when we started out. And I, I attribute that to buckling down with those classics. I remember not only was I, I thought I knew everything. I was out on the floor at a salon. I opened my salon when I was 22 years old and I was 80% confidence, 20% skill. I thought I knew I was like, I got this. I have all the kitchen beautician friends in the world that are going to come to my salon. And I, I felt myself being that person that kept feeling my way through a haircut, especially a layered haircut. I would just keep going in and I would get the texturizing shears and take weight out where the weight shouldn't have been there in the first place if it was cut properly. And I would get the, the latest American or modern salon magazine. And every single person that was featured in the magazine would mention a Vidal Sassoon training at some point in the article, every single one. And I was like, I feel like I missed out not taking that classic cutting. I only had the beauty school cutting and then went right behind a chair. So my daughter was nine months old, I'm reading the magazine. And I said out loud, oh, my biggest regret is not taking that classical cutting training early in my career before I had children. Now I feel like I can't go away to an academy for a straight week and miss work and miss being a mom. And my husband said, well, I don't ever want to be the reason that you have regrets in your career. Go, I'll, you know, I'll make sure I take care of everything here. Go. And it was, it was so awful. The first day I was in tears because it was so different than what I had been doing. And I was like, probably, I would say four years into being behind the chair and owning a salon success, you know, I was successful. I had a full book. Everybody was happy, but I knew there was a better way. And I, I almost had permanent imposter syndrome because I knew I was feeling my way through it. So I, I'll never forget the first haircut at Vidal Sassoon. I had to go through lunch. It took me two hours to do yeah. the cut. And I just wanted to run out the door and go back to Philadelphia and go back to my old ways. But I pushed through it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to push through. Great for you. I mean, good for you that you recognize that and you took, you know, you took control of the situation. Um, it's never too late, regardless how long we've been in the industry. It's never too late to take a, a, a fundamental foundational course, whether it's Fidel it Sassoon with me or anybody, because it's all about the disciplines and understanding there's so much to learn. It's not even really about the actual haircut. It's the journey that you take to get to that haircut the disciplinary steps that you take. So with the SSS haircut, the seven section shank, it looks funky because it's a modern day shank. However, the planning and prepping and placement of the sections is so strategic. And in the class on my website, I think it's like seven or eight modules are broken down to get to actually doing the haircut. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So I talk about the head shape. I talk about the sectioning, the placement of the sections and how to hold each section and where to cut and so forth. So, um, you know, avant-garde is, can be interpreted into so many different interpretations, but to me, it's like an extension. This is when, you know, you're taking your fundamentals and the disciplines and now you're, you've extended it because avant-garde to me is, is a, is a thought, it's a feeling, it's, you can inspire somebody to be creative, but you can't make them, you can't teach them. I always say that creativity is like a muscle, we all have it. It's like, if you know, if we don't go to the gym, what happens? It gets a bit jiggly, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that jiggly muscle. So exercising that muscle soon firms it up. And so when you get stronger and stronger, same as with creativity, everybody has a creative muscle. The more you start um, implementing it and trying it out, you'll be surprised at how much your mind power expands, that things will, will come. I am way more creative now than I was 10 years ago. And I think because I don't, I get, to me, there's nothing more um, kind of rewarding than to have an idea in my head. The next thing is you, you bring the team together to make, to create and see it come to fruition, you're like, wow. And then you say, well, I'm gonna to submit to a magazine. And there it is, a front cover of a magazine, or I'm going to submit to Naha. And then, you know, you get nominated. There's nothing more gratifying than to see that art evolve from a thought to the actual creation. I get so much, I get, it feeds me on so many levels. Now, that being said, have you ever felt a bit frustrated behind the chair because you don't get to do as fun and funky Naha worthy work on the average client in your chair, or are they drawn to you because they're a little more funky? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, very lucky, Elaine. I've got the kind of clientele I have. I think I've really nurtured that clientele and I love all my clients. I've got some very classic. I've got only a very small handful of long hair clients. The rest are all like clients with statements, a statement haircut, a statement color. Um, if you look at my Instagram page, you'll see a lot of my diverse work, but I'm also not afraid to sell the idea to a client. You know, my theory is when a client comes in, it's all about consultation. It's all about communication. I can sell a makeover just like that. Like you can sell a color or you can sell a shampoo to me you're selling you're selling the idea of something new that they've never had and nine times out of ten when there's a new client sitting in my chair she left somebody else's chair to be in mine absolutely and there's a, and there's a reason for that and I think sometimes you know that to me when you get a new client that is a window of opportunity so no more bitching about oh, you know, this and that because you can reinvent yourself with a new client from the way you dress to the way you approach them and you can really turn it around. You can start planting seeds. Maybe she won't have exactly what you recommended today, but maybe within six months, she says, you know, what? I want that short haircut you told me about because you emphasize you've got a great head shape, you know, da, 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 this. your hairline will do this, you know, da, da. you start getting them involved and getting them excited. And um, you can, you can definitely be an artist behind the chair for sure. And do, I'm you, do you do every service behind the chair? Do you strictly cut? Do you do cut and color? I do it all. Do I do it all. I do the cut, the color, the blow dry, the you know keratin if I need to introduce keratin. Uh, perms, I love doing perms every now and then. They're coming I'll back. Do. I've seen a lot of 
buzz on them. Just I a different time. We had a real strong shag and we got bored. I said, let's just perm it. And I permed it on the match matchstick perm rods. You know, the, the, the red. <laughs> oh, and the my yellow. gosh. It was awesome. It was awesome. That's on my Instagram somewhere as well. But no, I mean, I came into the, into the industry where you were either perming the hair or it was geometric. It was yeah. nothing in between. It was either yeah. curling or poker straight. You know, so we permed hair on everything, pipe cleaners, you name it. We did it all. <laughs> now, it's funny because people are still trying to get the beach wave out of a perm. You know, you have those clients that bring in the picture of someone yeah. who's clearly blown out with a bouncy blowout and then beach wave. And they're like, I want my perm to look like that. Yeah, so well, we have, we right. haven't gotten to that, to that point yet, for sure. Um, yeah. Do you work alongside other people? Are you in a studio alone? What's your setup like? I'm in, I, I'm in my own salon. It's, I mean, I call it follicle studio, but it's not a studio as in like a suite. I've had my business for 16, 17 years this year. Um, I'm, there's only me one other person right now. So I'm looking to introduce more um, stylists in the very, very near future. So I'm in the process of searching, interviewing. So if anybody knows anybody in the Philadelphia area, send them my way. And um, yeah, we, you know, we'll bounce off each other. It's great. We have a, our clients love it. They love the, um, the energy that's in the salon. The, my, my walls are purple, by the way. I have purple walls in the salon, which <laughs> Kind of unheard of in a hair salon, right? It, it can make hair color a little bit tricky for sure. But it's a certain type of purple, which really goes well with every color. Because I, I took, I did color swatching before I did it. But people love to come in because it doesn't look like your typical type of salon situation. Right. Yeah. Now, years ago, when I first popped on here, I said I had reached out to you over, it has to be, Probably Gosh. at least 20 years ago, you were doing a class on showing people how to do a proper photo shoot. Like for me, I've been doing this 35 years. I've done one photo shoot and I was in beauty school. I was the shampoo girl at the salon and they got, they let me be part of the photo shoot. And I was, I was so fangirled the whole entire time. Like the whole process was so amazing to me from start to finish and oh, just seemed that. like such a whole other level of hairdressing, but I know that you're going to say like, oh my gosh, it's so fun and it's so easy because that's your world. You're so artistic. Do you still do those classes? That's something that I would still love to. I do, I, yeah, I do a class called uh, Lights, Camera, Action. That's not available on the website yet. I'm going to do, I'm going to introduce like a web version of it, but really that you need, that's more that you have to be in it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, photo shoots, we can create photo shoots for our Instagram. We can create photo shoots to adorn our walls in our salon with our own work. Uh, you know, magazines, advertising, you name it. I mean, it just goes so far. But, yes, I love doing a photo shoot. And I've done them for years. I've, I've done some really quick ones. And I've really learned that you really need to plan it out. And that was always hard for me because I was one of those people that, oh, I'm just going to whip this out and create this. And I can do that. But not everybody else can be on the same page as you right. at that speed. And I know that I'm very unique in that area. So, but I really enjoyed the planet. It was really hard for me to plan it because first of all, I get a trillion ideas. Like I think, oh, I want to do this look. Then no, I want to do that look. Then I get confused because I don't know what look I'm going to do. But my inspiration comes from all over, I mean, literally all over the place, but a photo shoot 
is only as successful as the planning that goes into it and finding the right team. But yes, if you know anyone that is interested, I'd be, would love to put a class together because uh, I'd love to do photo shoots. Love it. I'm thinking love- it would be amazing to do a destination hairdresser retreat. Like we taught you, I, I can't remember now what's recorded and what isn't. I don't think we recorded the part where you talked about the, uh, hold on, I want to go back to my notes. I don't want the hair chi. That was very intriguing to me because I'm someone who's starting to get into a little bit of yoga, meditation, things that I didn't do at a younger age. And you talked about hair chi being the posture for being behind the chair. As someone who's been standing for a really long time and everything's starting to hurt a lot, I wish I knew about hair chi when I was a younger stylist. So my my wheels are turning and I'm thinking beautiful destination because everybody's dying to travel and it's, we've been locked up for far too long. So a fun location and do like everything that's involved in a photo shoot where either we all do it together for one model or each person does their own model. Again, I'm like, you know, I just throw spaghetti at the wall and everything happens to work out. Um, but that and your, you know, seven, seven, whatever shag that you called it. I'm, I'm staring at your hair and I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with your haircut. I just, I just, can I just add love? I just actually cut my hair yesterday. It is my so, skin. it's the exact haircut that I want. Your fringe it's, is like just perfectly seconds. separated. It's so youthful but yet mature, like it doesn't, you don't look like you're trying to be a teenager, but it looks I, so useful. such a fun haircut. And this is me just waking up. Oh my you know, gosh. Last night, wrapped in the towel, boom, done. Love it. Love it. Love I love it. that. So, so that's you're your retreat. Happy. So just tell me the dates yes. and where to be and I'll be there. All right, let's, let's organize it. Let's do that. <laughs> I would love to do that. For sure. So salon ownership, do you get as much passion and do you get lit up as much with the mundane salon things or do you prefer to be the artist because that was always the hardest part for me I enjoyed the client part of it more than the scheduling hiring training all of that stuff well when I opened my my salon um 17 years ago I made a conscious decision that I'm not going to be behind the chair five days a week that I will be behind the chair four days. And then Tuesday is what I call my business development day. It's the day that I meet with my accountant or we meet with my reps. If my reps really want to meet me, Tuesday's the day. When I'm behind the chair, I am behind the chair. I am a hairstylist, leave me alone. You know, I don't take phone calls about business, nothing. So um, I made the consciousness to do that. And that has worked, to be honest. And I actually have learned a lot. And I'm still learning, you know, I'm still learning about things change all the time. Right now I'm studying about SEOs and, you know, on the back end of Google and I'm like, wow. Exhausting. Oh God. (laughs) I find, you know, being in front of the computer so tiring, like my eyes at the end of the day, my ugly eyes. But I think, you know, you need to know a certain amount to run a business, just like you need to run your home. So, um, I'm always learning. I mean, yes, I prefer to be behind the chair more than I do anything else, but it's part of the journey, really, to be honest. So I think, I mean, I'd like to know, but when I can, um, if I can delegate stuff out, if somebody's better at doing it, then I'm, hey, go for it. Knock your socks off, go for it, you know, do it. Yeah, I, I realized recently at this stage of my career that my 
need to be in control all the time held me back in a lot of ways that I would do differently if I would start all over again. Um, Part of the mentorship that I just launched for hairstylists, it's called the Hairstylist Ultimate Mentorship. The Mm. first section of the membership is um, me referring to Cher, who I love, um, if I could turn back time. I started each lesson with, if I could turn back time, I would, and I go into what the thing is that I would change and why. And, you know, a lot of people, when, when I interview them for this podcast, I'll say, you know, what would you do differently? And they'll say, I wouldn't do anything different because that's how I became the person I am. I'm like, you're full of shit. If you say that there's no way you can be on God's green earth for 50 years and not say one thing that you would do differently. And I don't think saying you would do something differently admits that you had a negative experience. It's just, you can get on the other side of it. Like for you with setting up this um, virtual education, I'm four years into it. So for me, I'm click, 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 no big deal. But for you, it's like, wait, 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 what button? And I remember what that feels like. And it was not a pleasant feeling. And we also went through that with hair. The first time we put a foil in the hair and trying to hold it, I just finished right before you and I got on here, I did a one-on-one foiling class. And she actually, a couple minutes in, got really emotional. And she's like, I feel like I should be better at this. I said, what did you feel like the first time you got on a bicycle? You didn't feel confident. You were terrified you were going to fall. So you've, yeah, I'm like, if you've never foiled hair before, why would you think that you should be good at this? So when I say, if I could turn back time, I can see things differently. And I know that by being such a control freak, I never worked with a personal assistant. When I think about what I could have gotten done in a day with another person with me versus what I got done and felt constantly overwhelmed, but I was so controlling that I didn't want someone else doing any step of what I was doing because I wanted to make sure it was done exactly how I would do it. And I look back and I'm like, how exhausting to do that for all those years. And for what my assistant would have been learning and growing and benefiting from the experience every bit as much as me letting go of that control and learning that really in the end of it all, you really have no control over a whole lot of things and you need to just be okay with that. I know, but it takes a while to get us to that point though, you know, and then, and to own it and accept it and acknowledge it. So, um, and it's good that you do, you know, it's good that you're there. And then, but, you know, I've worked with many assistants over the years and some of them get it, some of them don't, some of them are 10 beats ahead of you. That's what I prefer someone that, you know, cause you, you can, you can train somebody to be your assistant, obviously, but there's nothing worse than assisting your assistant to assist you. Mm, back up and say that again, back up and say that again. That is a gem right there. <laughs> nothing worse than training your assistant to assist you. Then you're assisting them to assist you. And that's happened to me before where I'm like, you know, if you're going to pass the fork, bring it up to me. Don't have it dilly-dallying over there. If you're going to pass me a hair grip, you know, it's like their arms should come out. Their arms are like glue to their sides. like Alligator wings. arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a set of a photo shoot, I need you to bring that pin right up to my nose. So I'm literally just picking it away. I don't have to be leaning all over. You, they, some people think that's like you're being really picky, but you're not. You're just trying to work effectively. And so, yeah, so there's nothing worse than, you know, having an assistant, but you're, you're assisting them to assist you. That's the thing, how I said it, right? Yeah. And I think that's what 
happened with me, I think I would get so frustrated because there were, there were extremes. There was the one that wanted to take over and talk, talk over you to the client and say more than they should say. Then there's the one that leans on the counter, like they are ready for a nap and they're so bored. They don't want to be there. Energy's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was saying to my husband the other day, I'm like, there's certain things that you feel that you should not even have to say out loud. Like when there's a towel on the floor, it should not have to be in the, you know, the employee manual when towel is on floor, please pick up. Like it's just, it's common sense. So that was to make me crazy because it's exactly what you just said. I felt like I was working hard to be able to train them to, to be my yeah. assistant. You were yeah. assisting her to assist you to assist her. Yeah. Yes. But they say common sense ain't so common. No. Yeah. You're, you're just dropping the bombs today. The quotes, the bombs, got, you are I've on fire. <laughs> it must be the haircut. I think yeah. when I get your haircut, I'm going to be, I'm going to be that. You're going to be just like me, bombing it. You're going to be <laughs> dropping all the, all the gems, lovey. <laughs> I love it. And I love, I can feel your energy through this computer screen. Aww. Like you have that energy and passion and that that's so, so important and so necessary for this next generation of stylists to see. Like I, I actually feel really sad for how Instagram can make you feel about yourself. Like my mm-hmm. son yesterday was at one of those um, clubs at a pool at a venue where everybody's pretty much naked. Like the girls are in thongs, the guys are, you know, they're buff hair free chest and everybody's greased up and built. And if you're not a perfect 10, yeah, in in Florida, it's everywhere. But I look at the, I looked at his Instagram and I was like, I wouldn't even want to walk into a place like that feeling and looking the way that I do. Like I can only imagine a young girl that has a normal girl body. That's not, you know, like not starving herself to death. Um, but even him, he's a guy and he was like, Oh, I got to get to the gym after doing that yesterday. Like there's this comparison I know is the thief of joy, but it also is impossible to avoid when you see, you know, say you're a starting out stylist and you see someone that maybe is like 18 months in and they suddenly have 20,000 Instagram followers and they're being sponsored by a manufacturer and you're, you can barely do a one length haircut behind the chair for you. And I, we didn't know what other people were doing. All we had to worry about is ourselves. Have social media. We didn't have email. We didn't have social media. We didn't have cell phones. Right. You know, I mean, back in the day, I remember going to a library on my day off and and researching books or going to a bookstore and sitting there for hours looking at the the really expensive high end magazines. Didn't have a phone to take any any snapshots of anything. So I think the difference is back then is that you really just tapped into yourself more, your own imagination. Whereas now, I mean, people like are big into doing like storyboards for photo shoots. I'll be honest with you, that throws me off. I like to put a storyboard together. This is the type of lighting, boom. This may be the type of mega, but I'm not saying, you know, I know the storyboards are there just for inspiration and not to be copied. I get that. But I don't know, like when I do my creations, I just, I have an idea and then I work with it. Like for instance, I don't know if you saw my mop collection that I got nominated for Naha Avant-Garde two years ago. I was going to throw out a bunch of commercial mops that I had in the basement. I'm like, wait a minute, open them up. Hmm, well, let me see what I can do with these. That's and I awesome. Made, 
three awesome creations out of it, which got me an avant-garde nomination. And that year, the, the rules were different because they said hair like fiber, which it looked like hair like fiber because it's mob and it was the industrial one. And I broke it down to make them really long. I mean, again, that's on, on my um, Instagram as well. And also I think on my website, but that's where I, I come from. I, I like to, and I'm also one of those common sense hairdressers. Like I like to break it down. So when I teach, I call it the breakdown. We're, no, we breaking it all down. Like, why is that section like that? Why are you holding it like this? Why does it? And then the light bulb moments go on and on and on and on and on. And they get it. They get it. And it's nothing more gratifying as a hairdresser and as an educator and a hair inspiration, inspirator to see your student get it. You know, because I think once they really get it and they're comfortable with it, and also I've got all the tips and tricks in the world to like how to get there quicker as well. You know, like that's my rebellion side with but rebellion, but with disciplinarian at the same time. Hence the SS haircut. It's a rebellious approach, but it's still disciplined. And I love that because that's part of what the new generation demands of us. They don't mm. want, you know, when I started my first job at a salon, they said to me on the interview, you're going to train for two years before you ever touch a client behind the chair. You're going to go to class every Monday, work on live models. But before you work on a paid client, it's going to be two years. And I remember thinking like, oh, you know, because I was 80% confident, 20% skilled. I thought I knew it all. I was like, that's ridiculous. But, you know, I hear their training's good. I'll do it. Fortunately, I was very motivated and I ended up on the floor in three months, which was amazing. But that was back in the eighties when you really did have to stay for two years before they even thought about promoting you. The new generation wants to be at six figures in six months behind the chair. Right. Like they want the Evelyn Wood speed reading version of, of cosmetology. I think that also comes from some of these influencers out there that talk about money and talk about how you can get from zero to that in a short period of time. And unfortunately, you know, and also you've got to think about the consumer, the consumer doesn't, know if they don't know but they don't know they're getting a mediocre haircut because they've never had anything other yep and you don't know if you've got a, a great haircut or, or or vice versa that do you know do you know what i'm saying like yeah there's no comparison they don't even have anything to measure it against so yeah. like if you've got someone that's used to having a very disciplined structured haircut and they go somewhere they can tell if that person isn't up to par by their approach they haven't even picked up their scissors yet they can normally tell and so the discipline isn't solely about the execution of the haircut. It's your approach to the haircut. It's your approach to your foiling and so on and so forth. And the head shape, first and foremost, that's what's most important because the head is the canvas and the hair is the paint. Boom. If you don't understand what the frontal parietal ridge and the occipital bone and where all the most of the hair lives and all the transition areas and so on and so forth, all the reference points, you're not going to get it. But once you understand the reference point, you're going to have so many aha moments. The other thing that I think has been missing a lot in uh, education in our industry is not only the fact of where hair lives on the head, but facial features. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I went to Vidal Sassoon, the purpose of me being there was like, I want to be able to do a makeover where I can look at a client, see their hair the way they're wearing it now and see them completely different and bring out their best features. Yeah. I, still, I still don't know how to do that 35 years later. 
Right. Well, you know, that, that again is consultation and it's studying the face shape. So I talk about the head shape, but I also when I do my consultations, when clients come to me for the first time, I, I have a very different system. I do a consultation only appointment. Now, ever since lockdown, the benefit of that, one of the pluses of that was doing um, what I call the concierge uh, video consultation. So now we can do it virtually. But the reason why I do it is because, um, and it's about a 30 minute appointment, 30, maybe even 45, and I charge for it. And it doesn't get applied to their service because it's a service in itself. Nice. And, but what I do is I have a, a questionnaire that they fill out so I can collect what I call hair data from past hair, haircuts and colors, what they like, what they didn't like to current. And then, but I study everything, their hairline, their growth pattern, their face shape. And then I ask them to point out, what is your favorite feature? Is it your eyes, your lips? What do you love most about your face? So get really get them involved and included in the consultation. And, you know, you can change, you can make somebody look like they've had a facelift. We should be charging for that, I think, to be honest. <laughs> this heck face, $10,000. It's so true though. I mean, just looking at your fringe, I always say a fringe is cheaper and healthier than Botox. Like I think it takes five years off right away. As soon as someone does a soft fringe around their eyes and brings out their, their eyes. So it is, it is definitely an art, but I feel like it's really tough to get to. Like, I love that you talk about that in your education because most stylists don't it's almost like the head is a doll head like they want to just lift it up off the body and put it on a block and just deal with the hair and mm. not the overall picture is what I have found you know head from going shape, to hair shows and shape. yeah it's head shape face shape features because of, you can have an oval shaped face but the eyes are high or the eyes are low which will make it either a high forehead or or low forehead so it's amazing it's like you move things around and then all of a sudden the, the shape of the face changed and you haven't done anything. Well, you have, you've done quite a lot. You've changed the shape of the hair where it hits the cheekbones or the jawline or the eye area, you know? So it, that's what I love about doing hair. It's like, it's like magic sometimes, like, bing, you know? It really is. Well, as we're talking and you're referring to your Instagram, I know where I'm going as soon as we hang up. So I know that people are either on their treadmill or they're driving in their car and they're like, damn it, I can't drive and look at her Instagram and listen to this um, in this interview at the same time. So share with people how they can find you on Instagram, number one, and how to find out about this amazing haircut that I cannot wait to get on my own hair. Oh, that's awesome. So first of all, um, my Instagram is Francesca Rivetti, then underscore hair art. So it's my full name, underscore hair art. Uh, the haircut is the SSS, the seven section shag is available on my website, francescarivetti.com. It's offered as a um, module course. I will be having a subscription coming in due, hopefully this week it'll be set up a subscription because I have a ton of stuff because I take the haircut and I take it into two different looks. I take it into a street faux hawk and then take it into a classic cocktail look as well. So we change it up, but it's broken down. We talk about the head shape. Also, there's a segment about the head shape on there and so on. So I'm adding a lot more content as we evolve. Uh, the, the website was launched in January. So it's out there and it's a great haircut. You, everybody's going to love it. And the model, this is the third time I've done it on the lovely Daisy. And there is a testimony video on the website 
where Daisy just talks about how in love she is with this haircut. And we've done different variations of it. And I have, honestly, I've done it on kinky curly hair, like the really like the, the kinky black curly hair. I've done it on long, short, mid, so forth. I've done it on my, my clients love it. It grows in amazingly. And it's such a fun versatile. You can still put it up. You can create the illusion that you've got shorter hair. You can do so much with it. And it's a shame that there's, that people can't see what we're well, doing. Well, they're, they're going to see it. So if you're listening to the oh. podcast, go back and watch it on the YouTube version so that you can see Francesca and this amazing haircut. Um, so they, they will get to see you. But most people hear it on the, the actual podcast first. So they, they have the oh, ability great. to see your your rock star haircut and well, Philadelphia is a great one. location. Like if anybody, do you still do hands-on if anybody wants to come I and do, have a yeah, workshop? On, on site, which means at Follicle Studio, which is in a great neighborhood, Fabric Row, it's really funky. There's great restaurants. There's like great boutiques, vintage thrift shop, shopping is all in the neighborhood. Uh, and then also on location. So I can come to your salon and your and do it in the comfort of your home or online as, as a, a prepaid class or we can do a zoom so there are many different ways that we can work together in creating this from every aspect I mean I've got so much um, in the way of tips and tricks from behind the chair as a hairstylist to behind the set as a on the photo shoot as doing editorial work you know I mean I just I love doing it all I love it it's like I can't believe how much more passionate I am about the industry today than I was you know, even a few years ago. I agree. I think we, we have the peaks and valleys, but overall it's such an amazing industry to be in. You can't not be in love with it and just want to keep going and just keep, keep <laughs> exactly. learning that. I love, I love everything that we talked about. You're absolutely amazing. I can't wait to uh, check out that, that SSS um, module. I love that you're doing that. You're paying it forward and you're sharing everything with the next generation. That's what it's all about. So guys listening, make sure you check out her Instagram. I know that's right where I'm going as soon as we end this recording. Um, and we definitely will, will stay in touch and do some fun, do a fun workshop on a, on a photo shoot. I think that would be great. Oh, I think we need to, we need to start planning the, the location, um, photo shoot. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time, Francesca. I'm sure this will not be the last time we chat on here. This is just the beginning of a beautiful relationship. And thank you all for listening. We will see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.